Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Hello, hello, Sacred Icon listeners, and welcome to an episode of Oddball. Can't do that as good as Josh, but I'm sure trying. He's not here with us today, but we have our friend that you may know from episodes and the patron shoutouts as fucking Ouija or Green Plumber, but we like to call him Nestor as a close friend of ours here on the podcast. This is Nestor. How are you doing today, Nestor? Doing pretty good, man. How are you? I am doing great because it is exciting to get on the podcast and not talk about Halo, but talk about Zelda, which is arguably equal to me as as much as as for how much I love the series. I when I when I put up my favorite games of all time, I always give Halo just a slight edge because I feel like the story and lore of Halo is more like kind of self-important where Zelda's more kind of like it's a legend and it's more like it can be contained within each game. So there's there's kind of more to grab onto in that sense, but like Ocarina of Time, dude, it is at least it's either my number one or tied for or it's like right behind Halo 2. It's I mean it's it's amazing. So I just love the Zelda series. Uh, so I'm really excited to be here to talk to you about it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening either are Zelda fans or have had 
uh, a history of Zelda at some point because it's kind of just like it's like a rite of passage in gaming I feel which is why it would be so funny if Josh was here because Josh has never really played Zelda or had any exposure to Zelda so I say it's a rite of passage and somehow he's just out in the dark nebulously hasn't played it um, to get you to buy a switch before the end of the year Joshy yes it I, I talked to I talked to Nestor here beforehand Josh and I can say that this man is on a mission to get you into at least one Zelda game if not the series so we will we will have a another time here where you come back and he really can can lay his sales pitch out. <laughs> um, but Nestor, I would love it if you would like just tell me what your very first exposure to Zelda was or where you first discovered it, what it was like for you first playing it. Like take us back to the beginning. That's so exciting. Oh man. Okay. So what's the best way to do this? Because I, I know Montana uh, Menace on the Discord wanted me to go through like how I got here. Yeah. Um, so I guess I could just go through that. Through, through, I can go through that real quick. Uh, so first exposure to video games, four years old. Uh, I was in Mexico, and they have like these arcades that kind of just have like a bunch of ROMs on them. So my first game was Super Mario Bros. Hmm. And I, I like I I like the green Mario. In case it wasn't obvious enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to this guy as I look at the the plethora of Luigi memorabilia behind him. So, but uh, yeah, no. My first exposure to Zelda was uh, Smash Bros. sixty four. Okay, wow. Cause that's my favorite Smash is sixty four. Believe dude, it or not, it's still so good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember uh, playing that first and being like, "Yo, Pikachu's in this? What the heck's a Kirby? Mario, <laughs> Luigi?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, who's this? Uh, who's this green elf guy?" And I really liked his level too, and the song was really cool. So I'm like, "What the heck is this from?" And it wasn't until um. I think I was, I might have been around five years old at that point, but it wasn't until I was in fourth grade that um, I met a friend who was like, yo, you ever heard of Legend of Zelda? And I'm like, no. He's like, you have an N64? And he's, I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you want to play Zelda? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and then I played Ocarina of Time, and uh, I got to the uh, Royal Family's Tomb, and I got scared to death by the Redeads. Oh, absolutely. I mean, dude, there's zombies that jump on your back and then hump you. I mean, come on. <laughs> dude, How is that not something to be scared of? Honestly, man, and it's they're freaking terrifying. And uh, and then I think uh I think my second Zelda game actually was uh Wind Waker cuz uh you know that whole art style controversy and stuff. Oh, that game yeah, went on sale I, pretty quick. Yeah, I planned on talking about that as well. But Wind Waker's far less scary than Ocarina of Time. I'm yeah, sure. those Redeads are still terrifying though. True. They're a little more cartoony, but they're there. Um, yeah, so you, so basically it was a friend at school that he lent it to you? Is that how you got started? Or? Yeah. Yeah, wow, with Ocarina of Time. And did it did it grab you immediately when you started playing it? And were you like, oh, that's the dude from Smash? Yeah, no, pretty much. I'm like, I, God, I spent so long as a kid in that game. And I'm like, well, when in Smash he's an adult, when do I become an adult? Yeah, no, exactly. No, I, that was one of the most, like, amazing things about Ocarina of Time for me is I knew that you started out as a child and you eventually became an adult and I was just like mind blown that something that could happen in a game. Uh, yeah, no, I remember my first exposure ever to Zelda was, see, my parents bought us a PlayStation 1 growing up. So we were a PlayStation family and my cousin got a Nintendo 64 growing up. So when we go to my cousin's house, he'd have the little entertainment center with the Nintendo 64 and he'd have all the game cartridges down there. And usually the game we wanted to play was Super Mario 64. That was the main thing we wanted to play. He had he had Smash, he had Mario Kart, he had Mario Party. 
Um, but then he always had this game in the back of the entertainment center called The Legend of Zelda with a golden label, Ocarina of Time. And, uh, you know, we never wanted... Like, we never wanted to play that game that was made for girls, you know? We thought it was like a, a princess game or something, because it's called The Legend of Zelda. And I remember one time, we were just like, let's try this game, let's, let's, let's try this game out, and we put it in, and my cousin would always say like, oh, you know, it's not, it's not that it's bad, it's just, you can't get out of the first area. And I remember we'd put it in, and we'd be in the Kokiri Forest, and we would try to leave, but we'd get blocked, you know, the elf, the Kokiri dude would be blocking the way, and yep. we wouldn't... Like, we either wouldn't know how to get, like, we would not know how to get the sword, or then we'd eventually get the sword, but then we wouldn't know how to get the shield. Or if we managed to get the sword and shield, we'd get frustrated before we figured out that you're supposed to go back to the Deku Tree to continue playing. Like, we were always trying to get out of the Kokiri Forest, and basically for a while it was just this game we thought was for girls that we couldn't leave the starting area, and it was just kind of frustrating. So it always kind of sat in the back uh, at my cousin's house, um, and it's not something we really played a lot, and then... It was probably, I don't know, because that was probably when I was like five or six. So it was probably like a couple years later, maybe when I was seven or eight, that uh, one of my best friends, he was obsessed with playing it, and he got me to start playing it. And when I started playing it, it was one of those deals where it was like I was completely gripped and just amazed by the world and the game, but I was also like incredibly like intimidated because I didn't know how to progress. You know, Even if I got out of the Kokiri Forest, it's like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I what item do I need here? You know, it's just like you get, for instance, like off the top of my head, like if you get out of the temple of time, when you become an adult, even if you think to go to the forest temple, you can't get there unless you get the hook shot. And it's like, well, where do I get the hook shot? You know, like there's for a new player, you're just like, how do I play this stuff? So long story short, that's, yeah, that's kind of how I originally got into Zelda was at first it was kind of lame because I thought it was like a, a girl's thing. And then a buddy got me into it, but take, take us forward. So you played Ocarina of Time and you played Wind Waker. Then what came next? Uh, Majora. My, Which is your my, favorite? Oh yeah, my cousin uh, picked it up at a GameStop, and he was like, "Yo, dude, check out the Zelda game, and it's a gold cartridge with a holographic label yeah. on it." Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "Yo, this looks pretty cool." All right, pop it in, and uh, yeah, no, I, and I think uh, half the reason it's my favorite is because I've just that's the game I have the the most memories with. Uh, me, me, and my cousin really, uh, really played that game together. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a section of the game where you have to collect uh, like Zora eggs from a yep. pirate fortress. Yeah, it's tough. Oh man, yeah. Now nah, we were you know two kids. We had like two bottles. There are like six eggs, I think. And any time we got like halfway through, we finally got the hook shot. Uh, one of our sisters would walk past and trip over the wire and freeze up the oh, game. Oh no! And that happened multiple times, dude. And that just happened with you like a week or two ago playing Twilight Princess with yeah, your Yeah, man, it happened again in fucking 2022. <laughs> that's some bullshit. Uh, dude, and that I thought you were going to say that's even worse because I thought you were going to say like, oh, you get the eggs, you get the hook shot, and then you'd run out of time. You wouldn't be able to use it to go forward. And I'm like, because that for me was the problem a lot of times is I get stuck in Majora's Mask and then I wouldn't know. Like for, you, for those of you that don't know, I'm sure a lot of you who decided to click on this episode probably do know, but like. Majora's Mask, it had this really unique time system in uh, in 2000. Was it 2000 the year the Majora's Mask came out? I think it was the year 2000. Yeah, 2000. Um, and it had this mechanic where when you started playing the game, you'd be on a three-day cycle. So you had to do any tasks you wanted to do in the game 
within this three-day cycle. If you managed to reach the end of the three days and not finish the tasks you wanted, you had to play this song, which took you back to the beginning of the first day, but then you lost all your progress. So it was... Back then, it was seen more of a nuisance. It was seen more of like a, why would they follow up Ocarina of Time with something like convoluted and, and annoying like this? But as time went on, it became something very special and revered. And I would say there's a, a sizable amount of people today who actually like Majora's Mask more than Ocarina of Time, including yourself. Yeah, uh, dude, Nester, I mean, uh, man, it, it, I remember just like uh, playing it at that point. It must have been like 2004 or five, And... Uh, the game was still kind of like really seen as like the black sheep of the series. People didn't really like yeah. it online. Yep, I, I remember. I remember why I played it. I was, and man, we're gonna be all over this place with this. Conversation. Oh yeah, we are. There's just so <laughs> so much stuff to say about Zelda, but like to make a, I'll make a long story short, and then I'll probably make it long later. But for now, to make it short, I uh, I had loved Ocarina of Time, and then of course you know becoming a Nintendo fan, I wanted the GameCube when the GameCube came out. And then the GameCube came out, and I'm like, okay, i got to get the Zelda game for this system. And, you know, Wind Waker was the game. And me and my buddy Kyle, who was the one that got me into Ocarina of Time, we hated Wind Waker because of its art style. We just thought it was a big freaking joke. We made fun of Nintendo. We made fun of the game. We were like, Zelda's over. You know, Ocarina of Time was the real game, and this game is a joke, and I don't know why they do this, and all that stuff. I even remember us eventually buying Wind Waker because uh, it was really cheap, it was like 17 bucks or something at GameStop, and buying it because we were excited for Twilight Princess, which had been announced, and just thinking, let's just buy Wind Waker and just screw around in it and make fun of it and stuff. And I remember us getting to the the barrel scene in Wind Waker where he gets shot off in the barrel, and us just laughing hysterically because, which I still laugh at hysterically because it's genuinely like a comedic moment, but back then we were laughing at it because we we're like, oh, this game sucks. It's, you know, it's not like Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess is going to ride all the wrong. So, you know, Wind Waker was a joke for me for a long time. So I was like, when, when Twilight Princess was first announced, I was beside myself. I was like, this is everything I ever wanted in a sequel to Ocarina of Time. I cannot wait for this game. I mean, it, the only game that, that surpassed me in hype for was, was Halo 3. But after, but before Halo 3, Twilight Princess is it's right up there, but I remember being so excited for Twilight Princess and Twilight Princess taking so long to come out from delays and stuff that I was like, okay, I'm going to get myself caught up. I'm going to play the Zelda games and I'm going to make sure I beat Majora's Mask. Even though I don't like Majora's Mask, I'm going to make sure I beat it. And I was like, and, I, and then I told myself, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just beat it without getting all the masks, you know, so I can beat it quicker and get it over with. And then I said to myself, no, man, this game is not the same without the mask. So I made yeah. myself with a guide play through Majora's Mask, get all the masks, trade them in, get the Fierce Deity, all that stuff. And I, when I beat Majora's Mask, I was like, holy shit, that is genuinely an amazing, an amazing game. I was like, this game's misunderstood. Because back in, that was like 2004 or 5 that I beat Majora's Mask. Mm -hmm. So it was still misunderstood then. It was still a black sheep. But that's where I was like, okay, I am in love with this game. And it was because of me waiting for Twilight Princess. But but yeah, so so for you, like... What what was it that that sold Majora's Mask for you as like your favorite Zelda game? Ah oh, man, um, well, even to this day, I think it's the most like unique Zelda game. Oh yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's very, it's just so different from everything else. It's so it, like the atmosphere is like insanely dark. Uh, you know the three day cycle, the mass. Uh, all the side quests are like really engaging because of the masks. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think I can pinpoint like any single reason. It's just hmm. it, it's fun. It makes me feel happy when I play it because of all the yeah. memories I've associated with it, and it's just it's just it's so unique. Still, it's crazy. No, that that's the best word for it. It's incredibly unique. I mean, that's the thing is like anybody who hasn't played it, you look at it and it just looks like a Zelda game that is meant for kids, like maybe any other Zelda game. But if you play it, you soon realize that wow, this uh, this Zelda game has really unique adult concepts and themes, you know, death and and loss and being scared for the end of the world. There's lots of different things that um, it, it makes it a more adult level game. It's kind of big, big concepts to grasp as a child. And then you have, you know, you have the, the different masks and the different environments and the world coming to an end and it just paints this really dark, bleak picture. And you put on a three-day cycle where you're like, oh, yeah, basically I'm used to all these these NPCs. I get to know all these villagers. They're basically just continually, repeatedly dying every three days over and over again as I go back and forth to try to to do this. And, and just, I don't know, just like Majora, like the Skull Kid himself and the mask and the happy mask salesman, it was all so creepy, but yeah, in the dude. coolest way, you know? God and the development story for that game is insane too. What what uh, what are you referring to specifically? I'd love to hear it. Oh man, okay. So uh, the reason, if I remember correctly, I think the reason the game is uh so kind of like dark and bleak is because it was like kind of reflecting the uh, the process the devs were going through because uh, they were given they were given a choice. They were either going to make uh, what eventually became uh, Ocarina of Time Master Quest. Yeah. Or they could make a new Zelda game. I think the catch is they only had a year to do it, I think. Yep, that's you're right. It was only one year from Majora's Mask. Yeah. yeah. It was a year to do it. And uh, Eiji Aonuma, the uh, director now of Zelda, this game made him the like de facto director of the entire yeah. series, too. Um, he would just have nightmares over, like, you know, is this game going to be well, so well, like, is it going to be well received? Because by that point, like, Ocarina of Time was already legendary status. Yep, uh, and that's actually where we get the uh, the Deku transformation scene. He, like he had that in a nightmare. Huh. There's also stuff like um, like the whole thing with like Anjun Cafe, their wedding. Uh, uh, they there was a story of them going to a wedding when they were when Japan was under threat of like missile attack from North Korea. Wow. Yeah. So like. You know, a lot of just, like, that oppressive atmosphere just, like, fed into the game, and they really created, like, magic out of it, and that's why I don't think anything like that is ever going to be replicated. See, and here's what here's what's so bothersome to me is, like, you can, yeah, you can tell that, like, this game was spawned out of the environment they were working in and the things they were going through and, and the one year they had to build it, and it, it turned out being such a unique cult classic game that we all, like, adore but it seems to me that the at least the heads of the project to this day don't feel satisfied with it and that's why they made certain changes in the 3DS version yeah and i want to know what your opinion is on majora's mask for the 3DS because for me personally ocarina of time 3DS is the definitive way to play ocarina of time but majora's mask it is hard for me to even complete it on the 3DS i have a hard time how do you feel about that uh, okay. They didn't have to change the bosses. I think no, I think bad. the bosses were perfect as they were because you could defeat them with almost any weapon in your arsenal. You had so many ways of just going about it. And uh, for those of you guys that don't know, in the originals, you could 
you know, you could fight a boss with your sword, you could fight a boss with your bow and arrow. You could you could really just switch it up with whatever you wanted. In the remakes, they added like these periods of like vulnerability where this giant eye pops out of them and you have to attack the eye. It's like great Nintendo, more eye bosses, except for it's all four of them this time. Yep. Yeah, it was awful. It's awful. Yeah, poor twin mold. <laughs> Nobody asked for a crappy wrestling match for that. But that's what we no, got. No, that was just it was like freaking SmackDown Zelda edition. That was it was awful. And then they moved around Castletown and uh, changed just different little like mechanics and stuff. I mean, they added some good things like the way you can advance time and stuff, slow time and stuff like that. But yeah, and then the save system changed too because in, in the original, um, there was no saving all the time like in Ocarina of Time. You had to save at statues. And if you didn't, you'd start back from the three-day cycle that you last saved at. Because every time you turn back time, you saved your progress. Yep. But if you wanted to save your progress during a three-day cycle, you had to do it at a statue. Yeah. And you could warp to the statue, so it wasn't ever like too much of a pain to get to them. But um, it's just one of those like things that like it just wouldn't fly in modern gaming, unfortunately. Unless yep. you're like an indie game or whatever. So I understand it. I think that's like the one change that like I don't like, but it also makes it easier to recommend the game. So true. So so are you happy with in some sense with the 3DS version, or like are you like me? I'm happy it got made. Yeah. I mean, we got. I'm sure there are tons of new fans off of it. Uh, just like you know, Halo Four and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, now, if I want to play it, I'll go back and play the original. Or um, what I have been doing is uh, there's, like, a 4K version. Like, 4K version of the 3DS version that you can... I've heard about that. Yeah, you can play on your computer. And there's a mod for it that restores it... That restores, like, all the item locations and, the, and like, most of the bad stuff, including the bosses, to their N64 counterparts. Is Have you played it already? Yeah, it's good. It it's really good. It's really good. You gotta help me out sometime. Oh, so dude, I can play that. I'll send you I the links. <laughs> yeah, dude, I would love to because because like, I own I own a 3ds and two games just just Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Like that's what my 3ds is for is to have good copies of that. But even saying that, I replay the Ocarina of Time one. But I just every time I pick up Majora's Mask, I'm just like, no, because I don't know, man. Like the thing is, like the the graphical changes for Ocarina of Time 3DS it to me it it, it enhances the game it, it feels yeah. right for Ocarina of Time but for Majora's Mask it removes some of that dark atmosphere and then when you you add in the fact that they changed the bosses and 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 so just memory like memories I have of that game things are different in the 3DS version and that just ruins it for me and I hate that so much because there's no easy way for me to now you seem like you've been done a really good job of like collecting so you don't have to have this problem but there's no good way for me to play Majora's Mask because, well, first of all, I don't have really any retro systems, but like an N64, if I got an N64 with Majora's Mask, I don't really want to play it that way because it's, you know, 480p through, a, you know, you'd have to get a tube TV or, or stretch yeah. it out through my, you know, or, you know, I think like the best, the best option I can think of, one is possible, but extremely expensive. And one is not possible any longer. The Majora's Mask on the Virtual Console for the original Wii was really good. At least yeah, I thought. It was. But there's no way to get that anymore. And if you want to get the... I have a Wii U, but the Majora's Mask on the Wii U Virtual Console is screwed up in a multitude of ways. I don't know if you knew that. Yep. I'm guessing you did. And then... So then the only way to play a Majora's Mask in its traditional form with like kind of a good resolution, in my mind, 
would be to have a GameCube with the special digital adapter on the back to play with Progressive Scan and the Majora's Mask for GameCube. But the Progressive Scan cable is like three, $400 just for the cable, and you have to have a GameCube that can use Progressive Scan. But then, of course, you just introduce this computer option, which isn't, you know, official Nintendo, but that kind of sounds pretty, pretty awesome. Honestly. Hey, man, you got, you got that big, beefy computer, too, so... And, and the guy who made the uh, the 4K patch for it also made one for Ocarina of Time 3D. He made one for Twilight Princess HD. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's super 4K, exciting. dude? That game's got to look good, because... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just played through Twilight Princess for the first time, so I guess I'll just pass this over to Brian's favorite Zelda game. <laughs> um, and I went to a retro game shop, and I bought one of those like HDMI cables for the Wii. Yeah. And even playing in progressive scan mode, it was still kind of jaggy. So. Oh. Yeah. For Twilight Princess. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know you're. Twi- that's the thing is they removed the jagginess for the. Twilight Princess HD for Wii U, but I will admit, despite the, I actually like the Wii U HD version, but it smooths it up so much that with how the art style was kind of like really for its time, it kind of makes it look a little bland at times, but I do still think the HD version is the way I'd want to play. Actually, no, but going into Twilight Princess, I mean, Ocarina of Time is still my favorite Zelda, but Twilight Princess is the sequel that I wanted after I played Ocarina of Time. That it, I was I was the audience that uh, that, um, was it, uh, no, that Miyamoto came out to in, at E3 with his sword and shield. Yeah, like, I was, dude. <laughs> that was me because he, they were trying to target the people that loved Ocarina of Time. They were disappointed in Wind Waker and Twilight Princess was everything I wanted to be. So that was just a, a, a great follow-up I loved. I remember basically like it kind of, Twilight Princess kind of got me into the whole like voicing your opinion as an internet gamer thing, you know, like really early because... I went. I remember going to GameStop to pre-order Twilight Princess, and I think it was, it was either November of two thousand four or three. Like that's how early, because the game came out in two thousand six. It was at least two years, if not three. I went to pre-order Twilight Princess, and that's when I bought uh, a used copy of Wind Waker and made fun of it with my buddy. Um, but so we pre-ordered it, and just as as a you know as an eleven year old when I pre-ordered it, I'm thinking, you know. This is, uh, I don't really know the gaming industry and how it works, so I assumed if I pre-ordered it, within a year I'm going to be playing it probably. Well, then it kept getting delayed and pushed back, and then Nintendo said they want to put it on the Wii, so now it's getting delayed again so it can be released on the Wii, and I followed it religiously. I was on game sites every single day looking at new pictures, looking for new information. I was actually a part of, I don't know if you remember this, they closed it down. It actually felt like... It felt really wrong that they closed it down because they didn't give anybody any warning. But there was these Nintendo Insider forums. Do you remember those at all? Oh, yeah, no, nah, man. I didn't. Uh, actually, didn't like get on the internet for any meaningful amount of time until I was like a, so- a sophomore in high school. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was Nintendo's official site. You know, Nintendo.com had a full like suite of forums called uh, Insider forums, and it was really cool the way they structured it because. It, they had like, based on how long you've been in the forum and how many posts you made and how good of a forum user you were, you'd get to rank up. And like, you know, rank one, you might be like a piranha plant, but like eventually you could be Donkey Kong, you could be Link, like really cool. And you'd have a picture of them next to your your avatar or whatever. So I used that for at least a year or two. 
And right after the Wii came out, I think it had something to do with the whole new company structure going into the Wii. They just removed the forums without telling anybody. They just cut. There was, there was no way to, like, tell your friends goodbye. There was no, like, moving over to a new platform. It was just, they just dropped the insider forums. They're just gone, uh, which is really sad. But uh, I spent a lot of time on there speculating about Twilight Princess. I remember making threads about how I thought Link um, from Twilight Princess had to be the same Link from Majora's Mask. Like I made posts about that, which we came to find out that's absolutely not true. But you weren't far off. Not too, not, not too far off, but uh, made lots of speculations and theories there and talked with people and, and just had a really good time waiting for that game. And then I remember as we were... And the thing is, I was so obsessed with this game. I remember my, my parents had tabs on it. Like, my parents would be like, so how's, how's the Zelda game? Is it coming out soon? I'd be like, no, it got delayed again. They'd be like, well, honey, I hope it doesn't get, like, delayed forever. And, you you know, you, you feel bad. And, like, no, Mom, it won't, it won't. And then, you know, we got to the final, like, year stretch. And they were basically just pivoting everything for Twilight Princess over to the Wii. And back at the time, I thought the Wii seemed pretty cool. Like, I was like most people. I was like, the Wii seemed revolutionary. Like, you got this weird controller and a motion control and all that stuff. So I was kind of on board for the Wii. But I was also kind of leery about, like, playing Zelda with, like, waggling my Wii remote instead of, like, using proper buttons and stuff. But uh, I was really excited for it. And then I ultimately decided, as it got closer, I was like, I'm going to get the GameCube version. I don't... You know, I don't really want a Wii. I want to get an Xbox. I can play Halo. I'll just play Twilight Princess on my GameCube. I don't have to worry about the waggle controls and stuff like that. So I didn't get a Wii. And then I can't remember how far in advance it was, but it only felt like four, six, four, five, six months. Nintendo came out and they were like, Twilight Princess is going to launch first on the Wii. And then the GameCube version will come out in December a month later. And I was just like... Is that how it happened? That is how it happened. Holy crap. And I was, and they did everything they could to downplay the existence of the GameCube version. There was no fanfare. There was no like commercials or anything like letting you know the GameCube version had came out in December. And so I just had to watch as everybody finally got Twilight Princess with the Wii and was talking about how awesome it was. And I was just waiting for the GameCube version. And then I remember, which I'd never make this mistake today, but as a kid, I remember it. We were, like my family and I went out to a Chinese buffet. And we were eating there, and my buddy Kyle called me, and he said, dude, the GameCube version of Twilight Princess is in stores now. And I was like, what? I was like, I thought it was supposed to come out in a few days. He's like, no, it's, I'm looking at it right now. So then I, like, we're at the buffet, and I'm like, mom, dad, we got to go to the game store and get Zelda. we got to go to the game store and get Zelda. And we, so they took me to the game store, and little, yeah, lo and behold, like, I was one day late. Like, Twilight Princess came out the day, the GameCube version, it came out, like, the day before. There was like, there was no fanfare. Like I said, they didn't call me or anything. Um, so I got my GameCube copy and my dad, he, he knew it was special to me. So he was like, you're going to need that hardback collector's edition guide to go with it too. And I was like, are you serious, dad? It was like 30 bucks. And he bought uh, that for dude, me. That's so and cool. then he was, yeah. And then he was like, and you guys can skip school tomorrow and just stay home and play it. I was like, oh my gosh. You know, so it was amazing. So I took it home and got playing it. And uh, I just, I fell in love with the game. I mean, it. I, I did notice by the time I beat Twilight Princess, I, I was able to like be aware of some of the flaws it has, like the excruciatingly long intro and you know the game in the middle. The game's so long with so many dungeons in the middle, it kind of meanders for a while. So it's it's not a perfect game, and it's received criticism uh, fairly for for quite some time. But even to this day, like I know that Twilight Princess, it was the sequel I always wanted to Ocarina of Time, and that's why it's so special to me. I actually like. I like to do like game rankings and stuff. And for a long time, I actually had Majora's Mask above Twilight Princess because 
I knew that Majora's Mask was kind of a better game. But then I just realized one day, I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's a better game. You like Twilight Princess more, Brian. So, like, that's... Just admit it to yourself. So I was like, Twilight Princess, that's number two for me. But, uh, yeah, I, I love Twilight Princess. Did you did you follow? Because it sounds like you didn't. Did you follow the hype for that at all? Or when was the first time you tried it? Jeez. Yeah, no, I didn't follow the hype at all. I didn't even know what E3 was until 2011, I think. Wow. How, how old yeah. are you, Nestor? How old are you? I am 27. Okay, you're only two years younger than me. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Hello. It's just... Uh, I. I just didn't have like easy access to the internet back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like that era, uh, like towards the end of the GameCube's lifespan, I, I really just played handheld games because, uh, mm. you know, nobody could find a Wii anywhere. Yep. And yeah, it was impossible for a while. Yeah. And uh, I think I think it's better off that way too because uh, my best friends I made because I bought a I bought a DS, so <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. But uh, uh, Twilight Princess, uh, the first time I tried it out, must have been, I want to say 2010, 2011. Oh, way late, okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I have, I, have a, I have a spotty history with that game. So I tried it out in high school, um, and I just got busy, you know, high school life. I was in I was yeah. in marching band, so that took up a lot of time. And then my friend asked for it back, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I barely just got past the intro. Okay, here, have it back. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I tried to play it again at some point in between that, like 2010, and when it got re-released on the Wii U. I think 20 that was 2015, right? Uh, I want to say 2016. 2016, you might be right. But I'm I'm sure I tried to play it again, and it just didn't happen. And then I bought the uh, the HD version on the Wii U, and same thing. I got past the intro. I got to the Water Temple. And just life took over, so I didn't get to finish at that time either. And uh, ever since then, uh, I I had like the stigma in my mind. I'm like, oh god, do I really even want to play this game? It's so painfully slow to get through the intro. Like, what True. if the rest of the game is like this? And uh, it wasn't until <clears throat> I, uh, I I updated my Patreon tier, whatever, to be on the show that I'm like, you know, Brian's. Like one of his favorite Zelda games is is uh, Twilight Princess. I owe it to him to play this game before I get oh, on here. Oh, dude, that makes that makes me feel amazing. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't quite see it like that. I didn't know that was where your head was at. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I needed a good reason to go back and play it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, uh, uh, it's it's good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. not my favorite. I think uh, out of the all the 3D Zeldas I've played, which is pretty much all of them except for Skyward Sword, which I will play soon, which yep, we'll me probably talk more about, you know, whenever the next time is. I would love for us both to complete that and then have a Skyward Sword episode. That would ah, be dude. cool. Yeah, there is yeah. a lot of, like, baggage with that game for sure. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about? Twilight Princess. Twilight yeah. Princess is probably your bottom 3D game, Zelda games, what you played? Yep, but it's still a Zelda game, so it's still... Absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I'd play it again once I find my HD version or if it gets released yeah. on the Switch. Oh, man. Well, that's the thing is there was a rumor from a pretty credible source last year. I don't know if you saw it that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD were coming to the Switch factually, but just not sure what date. Which yeah. would be nice because, like, any most of the annoyances that I had with this playthrough, I know that they fixed in the mm. HD version. Like what? What? What were some of those? I'd love to hear. 
well, you know, every time I, I every time I boot up the game, I don't need to be reminded that I picked up a blue rupee. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that's gone. That's gone. Uh, I know my wallet is full, but please let me empty out this chest so that it's not on my compass bugging the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. What else is there? They, the tears of light. Uh, I don't really mind how many there were. What was really annoying was waiting like two seconds for them to be collectible. Oh, as they come out? Yeah, you remember they? you'd kill the bug, the tear of light would come sound. out and float in the air for like two or three seconds, and then you'd be able to pick it up? Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. in the HD version, you kill the bug, you just pass over it, you got it. Yeah, no, they, they made that, they made, I think they removed like two or three tears from each each time too, which that makes too, it a bit which, quicker. But. Again, that wasn't like, yeah. that wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the Triforce quest from Wind Waker, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's my thing is like, I know a lot of people talked about like the the wolf playing as wolf link is people say is not as fun, but I mean, in a sense I agree because of course I, I prefer to play as link, but in the other sense, I'm like, it was a cool change of pace and wolf link looked awesome and Midna rode in your back. And I, I just thought it was like, you get to go in the realm of twilight. Like to me, it was a cool thematic idea that I, I enjoyed. I mean, I think they probably didn't need to be as repetitive with, you know, doing the, the tears of light over and over and over again. But it's one of those deals where I'm, I'm sure you completely can relate, but it's one of those deals where like once, a game has become special to you and so it's in your nostalgia now, you don't really want to change. You know, you're just happy with what it is, you know, even problems and all. Oh, yeah, dude. And, and like you said, Wolf Link, Wolf Link is very, like, thematically fitting. I think uh, the fact that, like, he keeps he keeps that cuff on his uh, on his paw yeah. the whole game. Like, you're meant to be limited as him, which is totally fine. But as someone whose favorite game is Majora's Mask, who has three separate transformations that all have really fleshed out movesets. I'm like, oh, man, can I get, like, extra damage or, like, some sort of finishing move on the bite? Because yeah. the only move worth using is that charge, like, dash attack that seems to do the most damage. Yeah, it feels like, and, and of course, I'll admit that a lot of a lot of this thought process here probably comes from just recently have watching, have been, I just recently watched the Liam Triforce video you recommended to me on Twilight Princess, but I think going off of what he said, he makes a really good point. I think I think with Twilight Princess, they just had different design goals than they had in other Zelda games that doesn't necessarily make it better or worse. They're just different. Like when you talk about how like, you know, uh, Wolf Link doesn't have a crazy uh, moveset and, you know, things like the rupees would, you'd have to like notify you what they stood for every time and like the, the, the magic armor they put in the game, they didn't have magic in the game, so they're just like, oh, well, it takes your rupees to use it. I feel like with, with Twilight Princess, I feel like their their focus, what they took away from the the love for Ocarina of Time and the hate and disdain for Wind Waker back in the day was that people wanted it to be gritty and realistic, dark. They wanted to have really cool dungeons and really cool bosses, and I feel like they really doubled down on all those things I just said, but maybe had less time for new innovations for the series or developing a deep move set for because like in Majora's Mask I think it was clear it was like their passion for that game was to set out and do this whole transformation with mass thing so they really developed it but I think for Twilight Princess it was like we need to make this game it needs to appeal to the west you know it needs to be like this yeah. Ocarina of Time successor and they achieved it in a lot of ways because you know I personally and I think most of the community agrees Zelda community agrees with me 
uh, has some of the best dungeons in the in the whole series and some of the best bosses. So they really did nail some of that stuff. It's just it it's lacking in other areas. Oh yeah, man! I wish there were so many more opportunities to use the double claw shot because that's like that's the coolest yeah. item in the game. Holy crap! It is very cool. And it I really hope cool. they bring back some sort of claw shot or hook shot into Breath of the Wild too, because that's what it was missing. Yeah, you know that's, that's one thing I love about the Zelda series that like not many series do this is. Um, for me, loving Twilight Princess and being so attached to it, it never bothered me that we didn't get like a Twilight Princess sequel. You know, like the cool thing about Zelda is you can change the art design, the the, the style, and all that stuff, and the setting, and I'll still be excited for it. Like I am super stoked for Breath of the Wild two, and I love Breath of the Wild one, but I don't I don't like it as much as Twilight Princess. But like the nature of Zelda is, I don't feel like I need to have the same thing every time. Like in Halo, it's like a lot of people will be like, "Oh, Halo, okay, I I want it to be like Halo Three. I want it to be like I don't want it to look like Halo Four. I want it to be like Halo Three. But in Zelda, I feel like people are much more open minded to. I like the Majora's Mask style. I like the Twilight Princess style and the Breath of the Wild and the Wind Waker. And we've kind of skipped over actually. We kind of skipped over Wind Waker, which I want to talk about more too. Um, of course, if it wasn't alluded to, I ended up falling in love with Wind Waker. Wind Waker is a phenomenal game and. If it wasn't for the fact that I was a child when I said it was stupid, I would slap myself. I think I'll give myself a pass because I was an, an idiot kid. But uh, yeah, I, I ended up like playing Wind Waker to pass the time until Twilight Princess and just came to realize it was an extremely good, extremely solid game. And even to this day, I get urges to play Wind Waker. I think I played Wind Waker through again less than a year ago. Nice. Yeah, my... I, I just dug up my Wii U, so it's about time for me. Yeah, no, I played on my Wii U, and it was so cool because my wife was playing Ghost of Tsushima, and so I would just play the Wii U, and I would just play it on the tablet mode in the living room while she played Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, dude. It was, and the Wind Waker, like, Wind Waker HD was so well done, like, the way it looks, the way it plays, the different modernizations they put into it, Um, but that's just a game that's like, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Because Wind Waker is one of my favorite games of all time, and yeah, it looks like a, a Saturday morning cartoon, but... That was the goal, right? And it, it didn't make it any less of a Zelda game, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, Wind Waker is my second favorite. Um, me and that same cousin that played through Majora's, we picked that game up at the same time at a Costco for like 20 bucks each. Mm. And, uh, God, it's it holds up so well. Like, even playing the original version, like, yeah, the graphics are really, really well done. Cell shading, uh, I think the Link's facial animations in that game peak they're amazing when they, <sighs> dude, when they gave you the uh the selfie camera in the hd version i was all about that it was so cool yo me and me and the homie ganon we, we chilling yeah <laughs> <laughs> me and the homie ganon we chilling that'd be a good podcast title honestly it would be <laughs> but uh yeah man wind waker is just its sense of adventure is just so like unrivaled i think still uh i, I think yeah. you get a different sense of adventure for wind waker than you do for Breath of the Wild, so to say. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like, I kind of feel like, you know, Ocarina of Time was very original. Then again, I mean, it was based a lot on what they learned from A Link to the Past and kind of going over that again. But like, Ocarina of Time was very original. Majora's Mask was very original. But, and and Wind Waker was very original. But Twilight Princess, and, and I'm saying this as someone who loves that game and defends it, but like Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword was just them kind of, it felt like they were just kind of like doing the same thing over and over again. Like it felt like they... There was no new, real new series innovations there. Like, like I think 
back when Skyward Sword was announced, because the goal with Twilight Princess was to make it just like Ocarina of Time. Oh, yeah. Well, then when, when Skyward Sword was announced, it was like, you're not on a boat in the ocean, you're on a bird in the sky. And I thought, I think at the time I was like, whoa, this is crazy. But then you play the game, and not only is it the same initial concept, but it's not executed anywhere near the same. I mean, it's it's a glorified minigame in the... Uh, in Skyward Sword. Oh yeah, I forget where I heard this, but somebody equated the uh, the sky in uh, Skyward Sword as a poor man's great sea. Yeah, no, so it's like, it's. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> have you played it at all yet? I've not touched Skyward Sword at all. I kind of kept up with it when it was going to come out. Yeah. Uh, and that was like 2012 ish, right? 2011. Uh, oh, the original 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of kept up with it, and I know. All the lore, because I really love Zelda lore, but I've never played the game and I've never looked into any of the dungeons, so it's going to be kind of fresh for me going in. That's cool, man. See, I, I picked up the Switch version earlier this year, and or I guess last year, and I was super stoked. And I started playing it, and I was hooked for like a couple weeks, and then... Oh, I know what happened, actually. The uh, the Halo Infinite beta came out, the, the flight... <laughs> And I got pulled into that, and then when I came back to Zelda, it was I had got to like what was renowned to be one of the worst parts of Skyward Sword, which is like where you have to go back to areas you'd already been in the game all it's over again. Yeah, I heard. And I so I was like I was coming off of like the Halo flight, like I just played the new Halo flight, and then I coming back to Zelda, and it was just very repetitive to the same area, and I was like, uh, I don't think I can get into this, so I just kind of set it down. So I still haven't beat it, so I want to come around to it. was no longer loose. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but no, the sky, I mean, I don't. maybe you don't realize the full breadth of or lack of the sky in Skyward Sword because it is basically just here's an open area with like 12 little islands and some of these islands have like a literal chest on it. Like it's grass and a chest. There's nothing else there. There's no characters. It's just like a little piece of land and you just fly to them and, and touch down on them real quick. It's nothing like, you know, the, the vastness of the sea in Wind Waker. But I, I have noticed things I really like about Skyward Sword in the time I've played it, like the, the relationship between Zelda and Link and some of the characters and stuff like that's really cool. I, I need to finish it. Um, but, I mean, there, at the end of the day, I think there's just a... If it's Zelda, you're going to love it, you know? Like, even if it's not your favorite. Like you said with Twilight Princess, you know, it's like at the bottom for you for 3D Zeldas, but, yeah. but you love it. But, like, you know, so there's so many cool callbacks to Ocarina of Time. They're, like, all yeah. the musical cues, like, oh, man. And like, most of the most of the songs that you howl as Wolf Link, I was just sitting there like, oh, this is... Yeah. This is this is the old Link with the new Link. Absolutely. so sad and cool. And, like, I, I guess we'll get more into, like, Zelda lore talk in, like, a little bit. But, oh, the lore is so good. You just have to dig so hard to find it. Because that's because that's Majora's Mask Link, which is still Ocarina of Time Link. Yeah, you know, in in Twilight Princess as like a skeletal warrior. Um, yeah, which is so badass. Uh, what was but, I gonna uh, say? Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure I'll find things to love about Skyward Sword. Like I still defend the the two DS games, uh, freaking Phantom Hourglass yeah. and Spirit, Spirit Tracks. Yeah, have you played? Them? I've never be I've never really played those. I, I played them a little bit, but like. Do you like you genuinely like them? I genuinely like them. <laughs> what what is it like what is it is it the story is it the gameplay what 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 about them is I'm not I'm not saying that I think they're bad. I'm just asking you what you think Oh yeah, no. Good. For me, it's more that they're like direct continuations from uh Wind Waker. Yeah. And I really love that link. And so that kind of helps it along. Uh I I think uh some of the main complaints about them are people don't like the touch controls, which 
totally understandable. They're really not for everyone. Yeah. Um, but being able to like draw a path for your boomerang is a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, so. You've never played them at all, either one. I played um, Phantom Hourglass like opening a long time ago, and I've never played Spirit Tracks. Oh man, did you ever meet Lineback? I think I met him. Yeah, I know who he is. I know who, who you're referring to. He is my favorite Zelda companion, and I, I oh, wish really? I wish so much that he would like have like a descendant come back in a future game, like in mm. a future like full 3D game, because he's he's so hilarious. Yeah, I've only heard good things about him. Like I even I'd even hear people be like, "Oh, that game sucked, but Lineback's the best," you know? Yeah, <laughs> it was, there's a lot of like backtracking into the same temple in that game. It's like you you back there, there's like this temple that you go back to after you beat every other temple. And it's like, every time you go back to that one temple, I think it's the temple of the ocean King or whatever, you get a little bit farther in it. And then you have to go back out and then you come back you get a little bit farther in it and you got, you got to go back out. Hmm. And that was the yeah, big complaint like of that game. Temple. Yeah. So for spirit tracks, they, you know, same thing where it's, you have like one, like big central location dungeon and then every other dungeon only part about that is every time you go to the central location dungeon, uh, I forget what it's called. I think it's the Tower of the Locomos or something, because trains. Yeah. Because um, trains. That, yeah, because <laughs> trains. But every time you go back to that temple, it'll it'll warp you to where you were. Mm-hmm. So a lot less of like retreading the same areas over yeah. and over again. And that game has, I think, uh, who was my, f- my second favorite Zelda companion... It's because Zelda gets like her soul ripped out of her in that game. Yeah, yeah. So it's literally just this really sassy Toon Zelda following you the whole game, like Navi. Yeah, no, that'd be. I would like that. It's, Have it's you great. played those games quite a bit, or just the one time through? Oh yeah, I go back to them. Uh, I haven't gone back to them lately, but uh, before I think like 2017, I used to play them like once a year. Pretty much. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Because I, there was a time where I was like, I'm gonna make sure I have every Zelda game beaten, and then I kind of gave up on it. Um, did you, are you big into the 2D Zeldas at all? Or like, how have you played any of those? Or I like them. Um, but I can't say that I, the only one I've ever beat was, uh, Link's Awakening. Okay. Oh, I, are you talking about the one for Switch? Nah, the original. Oh, nice. Not even have the original, the, the Game Boy Color version. And I do have the okay. one for Switch. Nice, nice. I have the Switch one, but I never played the, I never got the original. Yeah, I haven't started the Switch one yet. And I'm not sure if I want to play that or Twilight's. Twilight Sword for Twilight Sword, Skyward Sword first. Skyward, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I ooh, excuse me, I haven't. So so I had Minish Cap on my 3DS because I was one of the people that picked up the 3DS when it came out. Yeah. And then they slashed the price, and they were like, oh, "Okay, we're gonna give you guys like a bunch of free games." Mm-hmm. So they gave us like 10 GBA games that you there's still no way to get unless you were an early 3DS adopter. And uh, Minish Cap was one of those games. And I'm not even sure I got halfway through it, but there was so much new stuff to play at that time, so I just yeah. never went back to it, and I should. Uh, I have Link Between Worlds, but I haven't even really started it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got to the Ice Palace in Link to the Past, and I kind of got stuck there. <laughs> mm. And again, never went back to it. Uh, so I have, like, Pretty much like most of my Zelda backlog now is all the 2D games, and I I'm looking really forward to like getting through them this year. I think that's my goal. Yeah, I you know 
that's the thing is like the 2D Zeldas and 3D Zeldas, they definitely offer something different. So you can like one and, and not be as big a fan of the other. But I I have uh, one of the Super, you know, the Super Nintendo minis. And I've, I wanted to play through Link, uh, a Link to the Past on that, which might be a cool uh, a thing for me to make as a goal this year, too, is to hook that baby up and, and play through Link to the Past. Because Link, Link to the Past is an extremely special 2D Zelda. And probably the 2D Zelda I see get thrown around the most is, oh, you got them on got got the shelf there, too. <laughs> right below an amazing ODST banner. That's awesome. You guys oh, should yeah. see this. You should see this dude's room. This is amazing. Yeah, I've, I've actually got a little a little so of drop pod back there and like a bunch of little uh, ODST figures. That's dope. That's dope. Why does ODST fit so well with Nintendo stuff? It makes no sense to me, but I, I think it does. Uh, dude, know. ODST is the Majora's Mask of the net, of the Halo series. I think. There you go. There you go. Yeah. No, I love ODST. I actually, I have a I have a Master Sword hanging on my wall over here, and a couple of different Zelda things. But yeah. Um, okay. So let me ask you this. So if let's say Breath of the Wild two comes out, it's done. Nintendo's going to start development on their next uh, Zelda game. And you can selfishly choose whatever Zelda game you want them to make next. It can be a new idea. It can be a sequel to something you love. What would you want them to do? You know, I was going to ask you the same question. But, okay, so you know uh, you know Grezzo? They're the guys who, yep. they're the guys who ported Ocarina, uh, Majora, and uh, the new Link's Awakening. To, you know, oh, yeah, they didn't do Twilight Princess. That was Tantalus, my bad. Yeah, which is weird. But I think uh, it only really needed to be touched up or whatever. But uh, yeah, I want, I really would love if Grezzo. Okay, so Zelda's obviously going in a new direction with all this yeah. open world stuff. I would love it if Grezzo got the chance to like work under like Aonuma and for them to make the next game in the, the Hero of Times like story. I really like, think that that'd be after you're talking about. Is that after Twilight Princess or after Majora? After Majora. Okay. Well, oh, you're oh you're saying literally the. I thought you were talking about the timeline. You're talking about literally the Hero of Time. Okay, yeah. So after Majora. Yeah, because uh, they have you know experience reworking the game from the ground up for Majora and for Ocarina of Time. Yeah. And I think there's like such a cool little gap of time between. Majora and uh, Twilight Princess that they could really fill in with like an adult link. Yeah. No, I would absolutely love that. Actually, your idea kind of makes me. I mean, it's kind of unoriginal from both of us because you chose a sequel to your favorite Zelda, and I'm I would have chose a sequel to, to even though Ocarina of Time is my favorite, uh, I would have chose a, a direct like sequel to Twilight Princess. But your idea is kind of the best of both worlds because we get a sequel to Majora's Mask and a prequel. To Twilight Princess, so I think I would kind of love that, actually. Yeah, well, the way I kind of had it running in my head was that, like, if we're going to be getting open-world Zeldas from now on, why not have an excuse to look back at the Link that gave us the traditional 3D Zelda style? Yeah. And kind of no, just absolutely. have that going as a side series, because then we could have three versions of Zelda coming out, we could have 2D Zelda, and we could have original formula 3D Zelda, and we could have open-world Zelda. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's kind of important because a lot of times you see these series take on new, like new uh, styles, and then they leave the other kind behind. And, and Nintendo's been really good about that. They have made sure that over the years, there's still new 2D Zeldas, there's still new 2D Mario's alongside their 3D efforts. So I would like to see them do that because even for someone like us, who for us we love Breath of the Wild, it's not the same as the traditional formula Zelda, you know. And I, I don't want that to be gone forever. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Especially because, um, uh, like, Ocarina and Majora have, like, a lot of subtext that you can read into. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot left to, like, explore with that Link who, you know... Okay, I guess we're getting into a little bit of, like, the lore territory here. Um, so, all, all people really need to know is that Ocarina of Time happened, and then it split off into three different timelines. Yep. And in Ocarina of Time, you, you start off as a kid, you pull out the Master Sword, you get sent to the future as an adult, and then uh, at the end of the game, you get sent back to relive your childhood. But the problem with that is that Link, having gone on this massive adventure, like, he had his innocence robbed of, of him. Yep. Um... So, like, I think it'd be really cool to kind of just, like, explore that Link's, uh, like, adult life now that, you know, Majora Ma Majora's Mask has happened. Nobody knows that he, like, went to the future and saved the world because he got sent back in time. Yep. And, like, God, I just really want to know how he becomes the hero shade. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, you have, you have a, kind of a really unique character there because you have a link that is only like 10 years old but he has the maturity of any adult basically going he spent his time as an adult and saved the world and then he goes to termina and he saves that do we do we have in lore is that a separate universe what does the lore say about termina it is yeah it's like a it's like a parallel universe i guess yeah and the thing yeah. is like we're not even sure if like it even really exists or if it's just like a manifestation of like his grief or whatever mm. because uh yeah. his, his fairy companion left him at the end of ocarina as well yep and we still don't know why but uh yeah man i i really just would love another game in the style of like majora freaking ocarina and i guess twilight too now that i've yeah. played it yeah, no, I mean, there is a perfect spot for that, and I, I think that it would... I mean, any basically, any game you, you slap Zelda on is going to sell anyway, so it really just comes down to, is that team interested in taking on a project like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I find the, the lore and theory around the Zelda games to be one of the, like, the strongest aspects of them. Because I remember, and this actually got disproven officially by Nintendo, but do you remember that video that was really popular on YouTube? for a long time about uh is link dead in majora's mask yeah <laughs> and like i remember me and my friends watching that and being like this is it this makes perfect sense i love this, this is so dope this is so dark and nintendo ended up coming out and saying no no that was not it um but it was it was still fun to but it's still so cool that like all these theories can still be like applied because you know like art is subjective right so yeah. The, the fact that all of this like works as much of it, as much as it does like everything kind of representing uh, a stage of like uh what, what do they call them the stage stages of grief yeah stages of grief and, and other Zelda games tackle different things like I mean I think like that Liam Triforce video made a good point about uh, Twilight Princess link being like responsibility you know like he's he's responsible and he's he's brave and mature where other links were more like falling into it. But, yeah, you know. Ah oh, man, so. that scene where like Midna puts her hand on your cheek and she's like, "You'll you'll follow me out there, won't you?" I'm like, "Girl, I'll die for you. Let's go." Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Midna, That's it, see, girl. Midna's... You're my favorite, objectively speaking, oh. best companion. Oh yeah, dude, she's my best, my favorite companion by far. Like I, I love Ocarina of Time, but like Navi, I don't even know who you are. Like get out of here compared to Midna. Um, no, I, I fell in love with Midna. From the, I remember just looking up screenshots of Midna over the years before that game came out and just being 
enthralled by her character. And then when I saw her at the end in her true form, I was like, oh, oh shit, okay, all right, I see you, I see you, Minda, you know, but um, yeah, no, there's a, uh, the, the hero shade from Twilight Princess is like the, the skeletal hero that teaches you your abilities in Twilight Princess, who we come to find out later is the link from Majora's Mask that his... Do we think that he got lost in the Lost Woods and became that? Because that's what the lore is, right? So we know for sure that Twilight Princess Link is his descendant. And yeah. some people have figured out, I think, that the game is only taking place 100 years after Ocarina of Time. Hmm. I thought so, it was something low like that. I was thinking 60 for some reason, but that's probably right. I was thinking it'd be way longer because the map's so different, but like, you yeah. know, it's a Zelda game. They got to change You played it on the GameCube version, right? Yeah. Good, good. Because the Wii version's not canon. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't like the flip map, dude? <laughs> no, the flip map. That, that whole game was about paying respects to Ocarina of Time's map, and, and then they just flipped the Wii version, no problem. So that's, that's another interesting thing that to you and me is like, you know, common knowledge. But for those of you that don't know, when they made The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, Link is a left handed character. And they made the whole game, and then they decided that they were going to put on the Wii. Well, the Wii was marketed towards motion control, and the fact that most people who buy a Wii are going to use their right hand to hold the Wii remote for a sword. Well, since Link was left-handed, and most people are going to be right-handed, they thought, this is going to be weird if you're flicking around your right arm, and then his left arm is moving. So, rather than spend the time to reanimate Link as a right-handed person, they just decided to flip the entire game before they released it. And by flip it, I mean they just took the whole world and they made everything that was right left and everything that was left right. They just, basically like if you're on a on your phone with an image popped up, they just went to the crop button and just pressed flip and just flipped it. That's what they did for the whole game. <laughs> yeah. So all the lore and all the canon as to why anything is the way it is is just thrown off in the Wii version because it's, you know, if this is supposed to be on the right side in the lore, it's now on the left and it was just really screwy. Not to mention that in my opinion, I know there's going to be people who disagree. the The Wii version, um, it didn't it didn't have many benefits to make up for that. Like I, I the the sword play was awful in my opinion, and shooting with the bow is kind of fun, but yeah. to ultimately, me the trade off was not worth it. I, I'd prefer the uh, the GameCube version for sure. Oh god! And then uh, I remember my friend had that version, the Wii version, and every time you flip your sword, the sound would play out of the Wii remote. <laughs> yep, yep, and you always have like a. A fairy on the screen that didn't look like it was in the game, just like a curse. Yes, that too. I'm like, what the heck is this, man? It's it's weird. Yeah. But uh, yeah, going back to Twilight Princess Link. So I, I think we know that he's Ocarina of Time Link's uh, like grandson. I'm pretty sure. And just mm-hmm. like okay. having listened to all the music and like uh, Hyrule Field at night, obviously that that has to be Malin singing, right? Because it sounds yeah, exactly that's, like that's her. What it sounds like, yeah. Because I'm like, okay, cool. Because at night he's like being followed by the spirit of his grandmother, and like he's being taught swordplay by his like grandfather. Yeah. And it, my personal like theory on it is that, you know, Link married Malin, established Ordon Village, like the whole province, hmm. and then like once he got like what well, once he got like older, uh, he probably just went into the sacred grove of the uh, the Lost Woods. And like became a Stalfos. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a pretty good theory. I mean, it makes sense too to have that tie to Malin, which Malin's all about. Like she was like you know from Lon Lon Ranch and like her. Well, is that the, is Malin the is that the one from Ocarina of Time or the one from Majora's Mask? That's Ocarina of Time, right? Ocarina of Time. 
Yeah. So like Malin, you know, she's from Bolan Ranch and stuff. So th- that connection between like you know, uh, farming and cattle and herding and stuff with Ordon Village that would make sense that that's who he got with. And it's funny because like we we love this stuff and it, it enhances the story so much. But I think it's pretty clear Nintendo never planned any of this out. Wouldn't you agree? To an extent, I think they've admitted before that their original intent was. It's called The Legend of Zelda, so every every single game, except for the ones that are direct sequels to each other, yeah. they're the same legend being told by different cultures, and that's why there's slight variations in it. Yep. yep. And then they came out with that timeline that, shockingly enough, was kind of accurate to like the, the fan-made one that everybody kind of agreed with, remember? It, it, was, it was pretty accurate, but I'm pretty sure no one had expected there to be three timelines. They thought it'd be just two. No, we did. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Nintendo states the third timeline is like Link dies in Ocarina yeah, of Time, yeah. which is really, really freaking dark because Link's still a kid, even in that adult body. And the the fan timeline was, oh, well, when every time you pull out the sword, you create a new timeline where Link isn't there anymore. Okay. So it still ended up working out. And I think the only games that were kind of off of it were uh, like, you know... The little one-off weird ones, like uh, the Oracle games. Yeah, or for, isn't isn't like one of the Four Sword games in a completely different timeline than the other Four Sword? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, man. like <laughs> the Four Sword games weird. are so funky. Yeah, like like they they look very similar and have the same title, but like one is in the Twilight Princess timeline, I think, and the other one's in like before Ocarina of Time. Yeah, do you know like Triforce that? Heroes is a direct sequel to A Link Between Worlds? It's supposed to be the same link, even though they have completely different art styles. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Is that, is that a Wind Waker thing. art style? Yeah, uh, yeah. Triforce Heroes has the Wind Waker art style, and then Link Between Worlds has like its own art style that kind of calls back to Link to the Past. But yeah, apparently that's the same link. I'm like, okay. Normally they so kept... is <laughs> is is the is the common theory for Breath of the Wild that it's like timeline convergence? Is that the common theory? I mean, Nintendo, when they... I'm sure you've seen that picture where they're like, oh yeah, no, here's this place in the timeline, and it's the three timelines, and it's Breath of the Wild at the end of every one. Yeah, so I mean, that's basically what it is, right? It's Because like t- the thing is, it talks about all three timelines in the game. And it's so far removed from like all the other games. Yeah. Like, it's like the, the years between... Heck, even the first Calamity to the second Calamity are so, like, long. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they put it out that far just so that it could be its own thing. Yeah. No, that makes sense because, I mean, they were they were kind of beholden to that timeline. For I mean, that's the thing. That's kind of why they made such a big deal about the timeline, right, is their their next Zelda game was Skyward Sword, which yeah. was designed to be the origin point, and then alongside that, they released the timeline. And then, you know, after Skyward Sword came out, I was like, okay, well, the next game, where is it going to place in the timeline? And then being Nintendo and doing something different, they're like, I know we showed you the timeline in our last game, but our next one... Is just way in the future, and it's not on any of those timelines. You're like, damn it, Nintendo, throw me off again. And at that point, I'm just like, okay, well, you guys have bird people, so this has to take place after uh, Wind Waker, right? Yeah, yeah, but then then they'll, then they'll mention, like, the Twilight Realm, and you'll be like, uh, what? Because it mentions <laughs> the Twilight Realm in Breath of the Wild. So. Yeah, it's like Zelda's, like, inaugural speech for Link or whatever. She says, like, through time and through Twilight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's also like a like a dilapidated like Lalon Ranch or something in the game, if I remember right. Yeah. Remember that? yeah. That and like the the Temple of Time being so far off in 
who knows where is kind of fitting yeah. with Twilight as well. It's really cool. What do you think they're gonna do for uh, like what do you, what do you think? We haven't really seen much of it. What do you think Breath of the Wild Two is gonna be? Is it gonna be like the same overworld with new additions, or is it, what do you think? I mean, I'm kind of lost as to what it will be. Uh, do you care about leaks at all? I don't know. No, I don't really care. Go okay. Ahead. Well, it's not really like a leak because it's it's public like domain, I guess. But Nintendo filed like patents for game mechanics. Okay. And one of the, you know, one of them is like that reversal, that time reversal thing that we saw in the trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another one is for you know that scene in the in the trailer where Link goes up into a ceiling and then like kind of squeezes through it, comes yep. up the other side. And the last one was for movement in the air so you can aim your arrow down and you can turn around and like free fall backwards and aim your arrow up okay that sounds exciting actually. so i'm like are we doing like and we've seen in the trailer there's a lot of stuff in the sky so i'm like okay are we doing sky stuff and underground stuff and maybe just the main map might have just a few little changes here and there that is interesting, you know, because it makes me wonder if, like, well, I think what, I'm not the first one to think this, but I think, like, a lot of people were hoping is that, like, Breath of the Wild 2 would take everything great about Breath of the Wild 1, but then add, like, better dungeons and bosses and, and maybe a more compelling story. I think for sure they're going to add better dungeons. Yeah. Because, I, I, like, I, I think that the Divine Beasts would have been fine as as they were, just if they were all kind of themed a little more strongly. Yeah, that's true, because they all just kind of seem the same, right? They don't have a strong theme. Yeah, and like every time I every time I go back and play through them, I don't remember what to do, because they all look the same. Yeah, they all look exactly the same, and I mean, that's the thing, is like the shrines were such an awesome concept, because there's something to continue to go out there and look for, and, and puzzles to solve in each one, but the shrines kind of came at the cost of having like really well-developed dungeons, actual dungeons. Yeah, and like I like the shrines for what they are, and uh, I know a lot of I know a lot of folks uh, like their main complaint is that they all look the same, which totally fair, but yeah. I think they're like fun enough as like little bite sized experiences that I really don't care. Yeah, I just I wish the bosses were more varied for them too because it's like the same boss for all four except they do slightly different things, but it's yeah. mostly just. It's like play, a, what, a if you're playing that game, it's for the open world, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's that's what's weird about it, though. It's like, and that's why I tried to make it such a point when Halo Infinite was on its way out. I was like, you know, for me, Breath of the Wild is nowhere near my favorite Zelda game, but I found it to be amazing, remarkable. It's an experience I love, and I think it's completely fair to, if somebody had the opinion that Breath of the Wild is the best Zelda game ever. I think it's a fair opinion, even if it's not mine. You know, so I was, t- I was trying to say that like before Infinite came out. I'm like, you know, Infinite. I feel like it's going to break new ground in a sense for that series where it's like, for some people, just the fact that you're going to be able to have this open roaming place in Halo Infinite and be able to go out in the land and traverse and all that stuff and have the grapple shot and, and the forward operating bases, just, just introducing that concept to the already established Halo, that's going to make some people think Halo Infinite is, is the best Halo ever. And they're not going to be wrong. You know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a preference. Whereas for someone like me, it's like, Halo Infinite's dope and I like it. But that's never going to replace like those original like thought out thematic missions and stuff that we got from earlier Halo games, you know. And that's that's what it's like for Zelda for me. It's like I'd rather be running around in Twilight Princess and like go to the Arbiter's grounds and then to Snow Peak ruins with the Yeti game mansion and stuff than I would, you know, just run around Breath of the Wild and have a, gl- a great time, but never visit places that cool, you know. Yeah, and you know I feel the same way. 
Uh, I think Halo Infinite needed <laughs> different biomes. Yeah. But again, this is just an like Halo Infinite is just an appetizer, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And Which, uh, for me, it's kind of unfortunate, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like my favorite levels were the two were the first two. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, I mean, I do. You actually, that's you read my mind on that. Like my favorite moments of Halo Infinite's campaign were the first two missions that just felt like traditional Halo missions. <laughs> yeah, because you had like actual set piece moments. Like there was no way in that open world that you were gonna get anything like when the the the, the ship is like falling apart, and you yeah. have to jump across all those platforms and they're all just yeah. like dangling by their ropes. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is, like, for as great as Halo Infinite is, and I'm not complaining, it's like, wouldn't you have just preferred to have, like, eight to ten more of those first missions instead of the open world? I would have, you know, personally. But And I think it's cool, because they could probably just give us that. I'm sure they could, if if it works out, they could do, like, an open-ish world campaign, like, with Infinite, and then they could give us, like, more structured levels for the next campaign, yeah. and then go back to, like, an open-ish world. And if they just do that on and off, I think we'll be good. Yeah. No, there's definitely lots of opportunity and potential there. I don't I don't know where if the same can be said for for Zelda, because like, like you said, unless they get somebody to tackle traditional formula again, I feel like Breath of the Wild is the way to go. I mean, Breath of the Wild is a smashing success. I, you know, you don't just... Well, then again, it's Nintendo, though, because I was going to say, you don't just follow up Breath of the Wild without doing a sequel to Breath of the Wild and capitalizing on it, but... Nintendo doesn't do that for long. Like they'll 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 stick with something familiar a little bit if it's if it's what people want, but usually they'll get away from it because you know it's like it's even like Mario Galaxy. Like people love Mario Galaxy so much, so they actually did a Mario Galaxy two, even though that wasn't the plan. But they didn't do a Mario Galaxy three. You know they only had they only have it in them to do the same idea twice for just a little bit, and they got to move on. Like I I really doubt we'll see a Breath of the Wild three. I think it's going to be something new after this one. The thing is, I'm like, where do they go from here though? Like what? What more could they add to it? I guess. Like, are we gonna get like a new map? But are we gonna keep all the same like uh, mechanics? I mean, I don't know. I I if, I think the one positive Nintendo to Nintendo is like you don't really have to worry about them sticking to the plan. Like I I can honestly see like if any company is just gonna release a traditional back to formula Zelda with a new art style years after Breath of the Wild 2, it's going to be Nintendo. Like, if they're, like, I could see them doing, going against the grain. Like, you know, everybody gets used to this Breath of the Wild style, and then suddenly we're playing on the Switch 2, we're playing, like, something that's like a sequel to Wind Waker, and it's like, what? Yeah, man. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm... I'd love it, though. I, I, I fully trust them. I don't think they're ever going to put out a bad Zelda game, just because it's, yeah. like, you know, one of their main series. So it's yeah. just not going to happen. Like, you're never going to get a bad Mario game. It might not be your favorite, but it's not going to be a bad game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if and, you were gonna if you were gonna try to pitch if you're gonna try to pitch to Josh or anyone else listening right now who hasn't played Zelda, what's your pitch to get him to to play it? Because I know like Josh's favorite game of all time is Knights of the Republic, and I've never really played it for the most part. And I know he'd like to convince me to sit down and play through that. So like, what's the sales pitch for Zelda? You know? Yeah, man. I guess it's like. Because it's different depending on who you ask. Like, people will just tell you to play their favorite game, right? Yeah. Some people will tell you to play Ocarina because it's it's a moment in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, 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 It's like, if you, if you really love video games, 
and you haven't played Ocarina of Time, you owe it to yourself to play Ocarina of Time. It's just like, you know, it, it's like not having played Half-Life. Like, you need to play Half-Life, what are you doing? Um, but I think uh, for Breath of the Wild, it's like I was telling Joshi, uh, you'll probably get like really tired of uh, playing the same like meh open world game like the kind of stuff Ubisoft pulls puts out. Yeah. Or um maybe you just want to try something completely new. Just pick up Breath of the Wild, man. Like literally every stone you turn, there's something new there's something new to find. I think something there's something really original about how Breath of the Wild tackles open world. Like I, I don't feel like there's any game I've played that feels as good in open world as as Breath of the Wild. Even even Halo Infinite for how great it was, it, it feels more like the uh, part of the course open world than, than Breath of the Wild. Like, Breath of the yeah, Wild special. Breath of the Wild was really, like, it really honed in on the journey rather than the destination. Yeah. Well, that's the cool thing to do because you get to decide, like, if you if you want, you can run right to the boss and, and kill him if you can, like, right off the bat. Or you can just spend 100 hours and not even touch him, which is so awesome. Yeah. I, and for sure, it's, it's one of those, like, really played out, you know, oh, yeah, the journey is what matters, not the destination. But... They really nailed that in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, no, it really doesn't feel like like you don't want the game to end. You're just having so much fun in that world, and I mean, I think that's where I'm at too. Is like when I'm trying to if I'm trying to recommend someone to get into Zelda, and I've already done this for Josh. I'm like, I recommend Breath of the Wild because as much as I want them to experience the legacy, and I'm like, dude, go back and try Ocarina of Time and stuff. You know, Ocarina of Time, it's it's definitely, you know, it's a it's a 20, what, four-year-old game. That sounds insane to say. I can't believe that's true. But it's a, it's a 24-year-old game, and especially the original version is going to be super hard and archaic to get into with the graphics and, like, 15 frames a second. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the, the best way to play it now would probably be to play the 3DS version if you could. But I do think there'd be a little bit of something removed from that, too, because, like, to me, Ocarina of Time was such a big, big TV home screen experience and the 3DS it, it, it adapts remarkably well as a portable game but I would hate for somebody to see Zelda Ocarina of Time as just a portable game because I'm like it's so much more than a portable game not that that is a bad thing you know but uh, Breath of the Wild is a much better starting point in 2022 than anything yeah. else really it just really depends who you're talking to because I think there's a lot of merit to even if um, you know Ocarina of Time was like this momentous occasion in video games i still think uh if you recommend it to somebody based on just the subtext of the story alone i think it's it's worth it yeah yeah no absolutely i mean and the hardest one to get into is probably majora's mask right yeah <laughs> really I, I only ever recommend majora's mask if you <clears throat> played through ocarina and you liked it yeah what's your uh in majora since majora's mask is your favorite uh, Zelda game. What's your favorite like, either quest, side quest, or mask to acquire? Like, outside of the main kind of narrative, does anything stick Man. out to you? Is like you're excited every time you boot up the game to do that one thing? I mean, Anjun Cafe. <laughs> I, I feel wonder. like that's a really popular choice. I always say failing that on the third day is so <clears throat> awful, though. Oh, it's horrible. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> have you seen um? There's like this glitch you can perform in the original version on the N64, where if you roll at like just the right spot at the door to Sakon's hideout, you can like get through the crack and like angle your jump to get into the into the hideout. Oh, nice! No, I did not know that. 
Yeah, me and my cousin mess up that quest quite a few times. It takes so long if you screw up. It's ridiculous. Because you got to do all these side quests throughout the three-day cycle, and then it all comes to a complete crescendo on the third day. And if you screw up at the third day, you got to restart back from the beginning. Yeah, other than that, I think it's probably the alien invasion. Oh, yo, dude, that... Oh my gosh, I've lost so many times during the alien invasion. I'm like, where the hell did he come from? What? Yeah, no, I yeah, get I, that. I've lost that minigame once, and I promised myself I'd never lose it again. Yeah. Because yeah, you, ba- you come back the next morning, and uh, Romani's just stand- standing there like totally like dazed out. I'm like, holy crap, what the hell did they do to you? Yeah, I ruined your life. Oh, lives. It's, it's actually a lot easier on the on the 3DS version because of the gyroscope. You know? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Way easier. Um. Yeah. So, oh, so what was I gonna ask? I was gonna ask you next. Majora's Mask. Hmm. Yeah. No. I, I. Majora's Mask without a guide is nigh impossible. I feel like. Of course, for you now, you probably just have it in memory, don't you? Oh yeah. But I, I played the whole thing without a guide. The Me first time. Did. Yep. Wow. That's really. And you got all the masks too. Yeah. But as like a kid, you have so much time to you know throw yourself at like anything. Just yeah. like trial and error it. It's funny you say because yeah, because as an adult, you're like, okay, if I've wasted ten minutes in this room, I feel like I'm wasting my adult time. So I'm like, I need to go look this up because I don't want to mess with this anymore. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Like one of the funniest things I remember doing as a kid was uh, playing through Banjo Tooie and mm. just finding funny ways to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> that I would like, uh, I would like fall off of like this big ass pyramid hit the ground, die, continue the death animation and fall into water, and then he'd start drowning. And I just think that was, like, the coolest thing. I'm like, wow, they really thought of all of this, didn't they? No wonder Majora's Mask is your favorite. Very dark. Yeah. Very dark. <laughs> <laughs> now, as somebody who, like, you know, this is, you know, Nestor goes by either fucking Ouija for Luigi or or uh, Green Plumber, so he's, he's obsessed with the color green. Do you love Tingle? Yeah. Of course you do, right? You How have can to I not love Tingle, dude? The first time I saw the man, I'm like, yo, who's this creepy little fairy man? Yeah, and he's, he appears for the first time in your favorite Zelda. That's I think I had played um, Melee Smash Bros. before I, I played uh, Majora. So when I saw him, I'm like, yo, this is the dude with the balloon. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's some really cool uh, Super Smash Bros. maps from... From Zelda as well, like the one with the with the with the turtle. I think that's the one you're talking about with Tingle, right? Yeah, the big turtle. Oh, God. And even not having gone through uh, Twilight Princess, playing on the Bridge of Elden just to listen to all the Twilight Princess songs. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's great. Do you remember one of the things that was always crazy for me about Zelda was like the the rumors or like the fake the fake um, like creepy things? What was that? What was that that whole oh my gosh the whole like myth about Majora's Mask and the uh, Ben Drowned? Ben Drowned, dude. That is so like the the you, original good creepy pasta. Yeah, when you hear about that and you go look it up, you're just like, "What the heck is this? That's crazy. That's so interesting." Um, do you remember the unicorn fountain stuff for Ocarina of Time? Yep. Yeah, dude, that was crazy. Have you seen uh there's these guys that they put out um a mod for Ocarina of Time, but they they basically restored a lot of uh that cut like e3 content yeah they uh so i don't know if you knew but they were originally instead of it being fire ice and light arrows they were going to make it so every single medallion gave an element to your arrows oh okay and you could also use the medallions as like items like i think furor's wind like the 
the thing that you use to get in and out of like dungeons or like Nehru's love, the shield, that was going to yeah. be tied to the medallions. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny a- how like you find out something about game development that like, oh, it could have been this way, but you're happy with how it is because you didn't know any better. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. the Ocarina is perfect as it is. There was this uh, big rabbit hole. I remember me and a lot of people going down back when like, D, uh, dial-up was the thing like internet wasn't big yet it was probably like 99 or 2000 this was happening but there was this this person was using photoshop but back then you didn't know how to tell photoshop and there wasn't as many people on internet faking stuff but there was this whole story about how this guy found his way uh like to the unicorn fountain and he found his way into the sacred realm and got to meet raru like in ocarina of time and like he had pictures of it, and the pictures looked legit. Like he was in, he was running around in the sacred realm and stuff like that. And I remember it had to do with like certain, like talking to Kabora, Kabora the owl, like having to talk to him a certain way and meet him in different places and stuff to make it unlock. And he, had, it was so convoluted. And he had so many people on a wild goose chase to try to figure this out, and it, it Dude, eventually you could get proved the Triforce. I swear. Yeah, no, you could get the. He's like, you can get acquire the Triforce, and it just ended up being just a complete farce. But there was just no way to early internet with Photoshop. Like somebody was good with Photoshop, it's like, <laughs> you know, you just fell for it. But yeah, man, good times, good yeah. times. So if you were gonna, okay, so give me your give me your Zelda. Let's just do the 3D Zeldas to make it easy. So from top to bottom, rank your 3D Zeldas, and then I got another question for you after. All you. right. So having not played. Uh, Skyward Sword, so I'm not going to put that on there. Okay. Uh, in order, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Ocarina, Breath of the Wild, and Twilight Princess. And that one's really hard for me, too, because I really did love Twilight Princess's story. So I'm like, yeah. Breath of the Wild doesn't really have one. So No, the story, I mean, the story is pretty much the weakest in Breath of the Wild, for sure. Yeah, but, but I think that's the order for now. Okay. Yeah, for me, it'd be Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess. Ooh, don't, what's third for me? Majora's Mask or Wind Waker? That's so hard. I'm probably, probably because of how, of how many times I've played it, and it's more, it's more, for me, it's easier to play Wind Waker again, because I still get stuck in Majora's Mask, even though I've beat it twice. Uh, so I'll probably go Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Majora's Mask, um, and then Breath of the Wild, and then I haven't finished Scoured Sword, but Scoured Sword is at the bottom. For I don't see Scoured Sword climbing from what I've played, but I do like it. Um, and then, and then of course, what would you give? So what would you give uh, Majora's Mask out of ten? Like as a score, is it a ten? Ah, uh, dude, yeah, for me it's a ten. Easy. Yeah, it's got a mirror. It, it's. Yeah. Uh, like just just getting older, I realize that I'm really more of a of a less is more kind of guy. Yeah. And you can in my top three games, like you you can definitely see it. It's freaking Luigi's Mansion, Majora, and ODST. They're they're really short games for their respective series. They're really different compared to everything in their series. Yeah. That's what I love about your favorite games, dude. You're so original. I like. And I and that. it's not for lack of like you know, wanted to be, like, different. <laughs> My friends used to call me a hipster in high school because yeah. I, I would sing the praises of all these games that, like, you know, everyone's out here playing, like, Ocarina, and I'm like, but Majora, though. Yeah. And to yeah. this day, I still haven't managed to convince my friends to play Majora. I think I'm the only one that's played it. That's crazy because they should know by now how well-respected Majora's Mask is. Like, it ain't just you, you know? I, th- I think they're planning on getting into it when um 
when it gets on the uh, the Switch Online. I'm yeah. Like, yeah, as long as it doesn't run like crap. Yeah, I know. I'm not too confident in the Switch Online. But no, I, lo- I love that like Luigi's Mansion is your favorite game of all time because that's something that like most people see as like oh a side game or a it's a good game but it's not that important and I I did I did get it back on the GameCube and I, I remember playing through it and I, I loved it I mean I've only played it once I'm not gonna lie to you but I did play through it the whole way and beat it once and I I enjoyed the heck out of it and I probably would have already played two and three if I had had the systems when those games came out. Obviously, I have a, I have both those systems now, but how do you feel about this? Well, this isn't... Before we get out of here and stuff, this isn't about Zelda, but... I'm sure, I'm how do you sure feel a about, lot of the Discord guys would like to know. <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you feel about Luigi's Mansion 2 and 3 comparison to the first? Are they, you know... All right, so 2... I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think a lot of folks had um, issues with the game constantly pulling you in and out of the, uh, the mansions because it's mission-based. And the okay. only reason they did it was because it was on a portable system. Yeah. Kind of to keep it like, you know, short spurts. You can close, you can finish a mission and like close your DS and then bring it back up and play another one. Yeah. Only thing is, I'm like, bro, some of those missions can go for can go on for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so it's like, it's not really convenient. Yeah. It, it's not like the most convenient thing, um, but it's animated really, really well. I think uh, Next Level, who like has been at the helm since two. Bro, they managed to like work some Pixar magic on a 3DS. Wow. Yeah, and then three is just like three. Three is perfect, honestly, for as like a sequel, because it's more. It's still really, really well animated. I think I think it's the best looking game on the Switch. Okay. It, it runs smooth. I'm not sure what the frame rate is, but almost never dips. There's tons of stuff everywhere in every room. Tons of particle effects. Um, and I think right now it's like one of the top 15 selling games on Switch for all time. And that's like a big wow. deal. Cause, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's... it's. I think the only reason we got, you know, Legos was because yeah. uh, the, the, the series has just managed to like sell so much, like, so much more. And I, I never could have imagined that <laughs> getting out of high school. Like I, I just, I just never imagined us getting under Luigi's Mansion ever. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was really cool when the first, the second one was announced because I was like, that's a game I really respected, but I didn't think it would get a, se- a sequel. Yeah, dude, you um, should go back and play it. it it'll, yeah. you know, it, it at most it'll take you like six hours if you can run through it. Like me, who like knows everything like the back of my hand, it takes me like two hours and a half, three hours to get through it. Well, I'd have to get it for the DS, right? The 3DS. That's probably the best way for me to play Luigi's Mansion One. I mean. I don't have a GameCube, so. I mean, the dude who put out the uh, 4K patch for Majora's Mask on 3D on <laughs> PC also did the same thing for oh, Luigi's Mansion. This guy's got it all. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna at least need the Majora's Mask link after we're done here. But uh, yeah, so okay, so as like a, is there anything before I like give you like a closing question? Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you were like? definitely want to get in this time before we're definitely gonna have to come back for like a skyward sword like once we've both played skyward sword come back yeah and talk about that experience uh i'm not really sure dude i guess maybe i should have written some i should have written some stuff down uh i mean hey we had lots to talk about it's been an hour and a half already so yeah <laughs> and i guess maybe a little late but uh you know sorry guys if it's a little scatterbrained this is this is my no. first time on here so no dude you're great uh, man Next time, I think uh, maybe we'll have a little more structure. But this is a lot of well, fun. Well, we'll get we'll have Josh hopefully next time, and and it'll be a 
three people chiming in and, and of course yeah the thing, the thing that's nice the thing that's nice about josh is he has he applies that he has that fish out of water because he'll be asking questions because he doesn't know exactly if he was here we would have been able to like really extrapolate more uh yeah on like everything we talked about yeah but uh i mean i think most most people that are here are probably already zelda fans and yeah. uh you know I don't think there's really too much to explain. Yeah, pro- probably chiming in, wishing they could say, you know, this and this about this game, but they're just listening and frustrated. Um, what would you say? Okay, the last question I'll ask you, because I know, and I'm not even sure, when I ask you, I'm not even sure what my answer will be, but, like, Zelda has made me, like, feel really emotional at times, and I don't I don't know necessarily where it comes from, but it's just the way that franchise is. Like, so what would you say in all of Zelda, what's kind of one of the most emotional moments for you that, like, it can be it can be even happiness. It doesn't have to be sadness, you know. But like, where it kind of tugs on you. Jeez, it's gotta be ah uh, so many so many good moments to pick from from Ocarina and uh, Majora yeah. and the Wind Waker even. Ah, oh, that's such a hard question. I mean, I know, I know, like, this wouldn't be my top pick, but, like, for instance, like, Midna breaking the mirror forever kind of sucks. It's not my, it's not oh, yeah, my pick, dude. but, yeah. I guess real, real quick, because I know uh, some of this stuff can be pretty, like, open inter- interpretation. Why do you think she broke the mirror? Um, well, to be fair, you know, I haven't played Twilight Princess in probably a year and a half. Um, and I haven't, like, you know, been ta- thinking about it a lot recently, so I might be forgetting something glaringly obvious. But I think my assumption was... So that there wouldn't be um, current, like there wouldn't be uh, future struggles between the Twilight Realm and the the main and the regular realm. I guess is there more to it? I don't remember. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's part of it. But I, I like to, like once uh, we got to the end of the game, I really feel like she was like if you I feel like she fell in love with Link, dude. No, I I yeah, I mean that was that's the thing. I mean, if you go back in time, I remember when me and my buddy first finished that game in two thousand six. We were like, man. In the sequel, is he going to get back to her somehow? And we didn't realize that there wasn't going to be a sequel to Twilight Princess. <laughs> God, there were so many moments in that game where I wish he just hugged her, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It, it, Zelda definitely plays second fiddle in that game, for sure. To mid- oh, yeah. I think if she like stayed dead, it would have had like crazy impact on the series. Yeah. Just no, kind of let the Triforce of Wisdom pass on to somebody new for a little bit. Yeah. No, I I, I love Minna, and that, that ending was sad. I think, I think for me, what takes the cake is probably... It's probably in Ocarina of Time, and that's a lot to do with like my nostalgia and attachment for it, but I think it's probably when I'm finishing Ocarina of Time and Zelda's sending you back to Kid Link and, and, the, and your fairy leaves, because for me, that's like so symbolic. As, a, as someone who played that game as a child and grew up and is an adult now with real responsibilities and like understanding the gravity of life and the fact that life is fragile and it's not long and everything, and, um, you know, and I've actually said this before, in comparison to uh, Frodo from Lord of the Rings, that's my favorite character of all time. Is Frodo from Lord of the Rings? To be to be contrary like you with your ODST and Luigi's Mansion, that's kind of me. With whose favorite character is Frodo? Usually, it's Master Chief or Aragorn or Luke Skywalker. But mine's Frodo. And like the one thing that I always like relate so much to Frodo on is that he was a a simple person who liked to live a good, hearty life and with joy and fun and comfort. And he had that all stripped away from him. He had it robbed from him. It was just taken out from under him. And then when he finally was able to come back to that life of comfort, 
he it was changed too much. It wasn't the same anymore. He couldn't just come back to it because too much had changed. And that's what I feel like when I play Ocarina of Time. I played that as a kid. It was a fun game. It was a fun video game, a fun experience. When I play it nowadays and I get to play as Link growing into an adult and going back to a kid and then at the end of the game, you know, just discovering that this is a child who's robbed of all of his innocence. Nobody knows what he did to save Hyrule and he just kind of has to leave just with all this maturity and, and the weight of the world, even though he's only 10 now. Yeah. That kind of always makes me sad because I'm like, I feel that way. And of course, it's not the same. I didn't save the world from evil. But like, as an adult, I'm like, I feel that. Like, I have the weight of, now that I'm almost 30, I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. I don't, I can't, when you're a kid, you just think, what's the worst thing, right? That your mom didn't make what you liked for dinner or that she wouldn't buy you this new game you wanted. Like, that was the max worry you had. And, so yeah, it's like a childhood like nostalgia thing. Yeah. Did you come no, up with it, one? Yeah. I think uh for me it's anytime you run into Sheik, you know, the song starts playing. Yeah. Yeah. And they say something really poignant pretty much every single time. Um Ah oh god, what's the one she says uh when you're in the forest meadow? It's like mm. Wish I had a memory. I know she uh, says some good shit. I know <laughs> she really does say some good shit. But that's that harp song starts playing. Yeah, and like the the whole theme of uh, Ocarina of Time revolves around like uh, childhood memories and uh, how holding on to them can like hold you back. But like yeah. you know, you shouldn't forget them. And like just playing through that game again as an adult and like really being able to like see all the subtext that I missed that I missed as a kid. Yeah. You know, it really just like, wow, like I, 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 I wish I was a kid again in some respects, you know? Yeah, it, 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 mirror, it mirrors childhood, like it mirrors that experience we go through so well. Like when you first become adult Link and you walk out of the Temple of Time and there's all the re-deads and then you walk out of Hyrule Castle town and you, you see that the bridge is broken and the sky is dark and there's like just no joy in Hyrule anymore it's kind of like a dark symbolism for like growing up, you know, cause like everything kind of, if, if pro, granted you had a, a decent childhood, everything is kind of, um, unicorns and daisies as a kid, right? Like you don't have to worry about sickness or death. You, you're, everything's taken care of for you. You're, you're put to bed, you're given food, you're bought things, you know, your parents, the guardians in your life try to do everything they can to make you feel comfortable and then once you grow up and you're an adult, that's kind of like Link walking, Link walking out into Hyrule Field in Ocarina of Time. It's like everything's dark and bleak, and I'm alone, and no one's here to uh, to put me to bed. No one's here to feed me. No one's here to take care of my problems. So yeah, man, like you wanted this so bad, and you're here now, and you're like, man, I just wish I could go back. Yeah, right. I'm. I mean, there's some real benefits to being an adult, but there's yeah. times where I'm just like, take me back, <laughs> take me back when times <laughs> were easier, you know. But. But I guess that's the that's the cool part about I guess gaming in general is that a lot of the stuff that uh, you made memories with, if you go back and play it, you still get a little piece of that. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely. I mean, that's 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 the thing is like I always try to play both sides because I'm like, um, you know, video games. On one hand, I'll on the on one hand I'll say it's just a video game. It's just a video game because I think it's important to acknowledge that it's just a video game and like there's a lot more to life and uh, and the great at the end of the, the, the end of the day like if you're upset about a microtransaction or a DLC it really means nothing compared to a real problem um, but on the other hand you have 
video games really are more than just a game. You know, that's a that's a memory. That's an attachment of a time where you and a loved one who's not around anymore played a game together or shared a memory or just a different place in your life or how it got you through a tough time. We definitely attach emotions and memories and stuff to video games to make them, you know, even more than the sum of their parts, which Zelda's definitely something I feel like you and I have both done that for. So it's really cool. Oh, yeah. But, man, dude, thank you so much. Like, see, for you guys who don't know, like, we have this patron tier where you can, like, if you're a patron at a high enough level, you can be on the podcast with us and choose whatever you want to talk about. And I'm used to people wanting to come on here and talk Halo, and I'm like... Halo is what I talk about 24-7, but I'm ready for it. And then uh, Nestor here was like, we're going to talk about Zelda. We're doing an oddball. We're talking about Zelda. And I'm like, hell yeah, we are. I'm looking forward to this. This is not any kind of work at all. So I really enjoyed the conversation, man. Thank you so much for being here, dude. Yeah, dude. Anytime. Uh, You know, big Nintendo guy, obviously. Uh, So anytime you want to talk it, I'm down. Yeah, when we beat Skyward Sword or when Breath of the Wild 2 comes out or... It would be cool. I can't think. I mean, obviously, when you're on next time, you can choose whatever topic we talk about. But uh, if we ever talk about Luigi's Mansion or something in, in depth, and maybe I'll have to replay at least the first one again to get me back in the headspace. But I do remember fighting Bowser at the end and realizing it was King Boo once his head floated off his body. That freaked the head out, hell out of me back in the day. But uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for, for being on here with us. And guys, we hope you enjoyed listening to this oddball covering the legend of zelda let us know what you think about zelda what your favorite is come to the discord we got a channel there we just opened to talk about all things zelda and we just had a lot of fun here today so thank you guys for listening and as always keep it sacred peace guys